right. Well, thanks for joining me um, on our first virtual podcast. Uh, we are expanding our horizons. Um, so I'm joined by Valerie Hill. She is a structural engineer, uh, professional engineer out of uh, Charlottesville, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, thanks for having me. About, a little bit about yourself, how you got started, uh, why you do what you do and all that fun stuff. Um, so I went to Virginia Tech and ended up in Charlottesville, which is uh, the opposite of what most Hokies do. <laughs> but I worked for a design firm in Charlottesville from 2014 to 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic, and switched to a forensic engineering firm doing mostly like home insurance claims and um basically failures with wind, hail, tornadoes, hurricanes, fires, trees versus houses, cars versus buildings, um, and figuring out, you know, what happened, the extent of damage and how to fix it. And then about last year, I missed doing some design work and decided to open up my own company uh, to do kind of on the side and supplement my home you know, uh, home insurance claim work and it's kind of taken off. So I do residential, like small residential projects, um, but as big as custom residential houses, right. uh, additions, renovations, homeowners who want to take out bearing walls or if they don't even know if it's a bearing wall. Um, I work with real estate agents and home inspectors like yourself to determine what, you know, happened and when things came up in, um, you know, home inspections and most mostly cracks in foundations is the the yeah. main thing that comes up. But I come out and help you guys out and write reports and figure out what happened and how to fix it. That's right. Um, yeah, we um, we partner with a uh, local uh, engineer that I knew before he started uh, his own business uh, here in the Richmond area. And uh, when he called me and told me he was um, looking to get started kind of shift uh shift his focus into doing more of the engineering side and consulting i told him the bar is pretty low um you know in the real estate world so once you get started um and you're halfway good this is going to take off uh yeah he was doing some real estate uh as an agent and i said yes yeah, that's not that's not gonna last uh, <laughs> be too busy and and that's what happened um, you know, word started getting around the work that he does, the type of work he does, uh, and got, got busy really quick. So, uh, yeah, I imagine yeah. you know starting it as a side hustle, as they say. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. How how do you manage that from from getting too out of control, or is that your plan one day just to go ahead and go full time? I I don't know. I, it's kind of up in the air. Um, I intended it for to only become a side hustle and just supplement <laughs> income um but it there was a big hole in the market here like all of the design firms in town want to focus on the bigger projects like commercial the hotels uh multi-family living um uva stuff yeah so there was just a big hole for residential and no one was filling it there was one guy that was filling it but i think he's um moving towards retirement so i'm trying to fill kind of that spot and i think maybe eventually i'll do this full time i'm not at that point yet um having a salary is nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, it's nice security uh, especially right now in this you know market and everything yeah. that we have right now so um we'll see we'll see what happens i i just I try to be upfront with people um, about, you know, how busy I am or how I can fit in stuff. There's, you know, the real estate market, you have to do everything in like two days. Yeah. Um, they come out and then give them a report like the next day. And so a lot of times I can kind of fit that in my schedule in between doing design work, um, you know, especially if I center it around picking up or dropping off my kid from daycare. Right. So it's a... Uh, it ends up working out okay and it's a quick turnaround quick payment that's kind of nice so yeah. it's um it's i'm having a hard time balancing things still yeah. <laughs> especially when i'm trying to buy a house myself so um you know trying to 
balance being a mom, having my own side business, being a full-time employee, and then also buying a house, which we're going to do a bunch of renovations for. It's uh, a lot. So TBD about uh, how I actually end up balancing everything. (laughs) Yeah, I I was talking to somebody a couple days ago, and I told him I uh, I joke. Uh, about once a week, I look on LinkedIn to see what job postings are uh, are open. Uh, mm-hmm. Because one day it's it's fun being self employed, and the other day you want it to be somebody else's headache. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the best idea, worst idea, all at the same time. Uh, yeah, my biggest problem and was and is being able to say no. Uh, yeah, someone calls and and they want a service or they need something. Um, you know, Sunday morning at you know ten o'clock. It's, can do this sure you know instead of saying no uh, yeah so that's why i have courtney now um so she says no for me uh, oh, oh i need one of those yeah well i know that's 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 a different level of stress as well when you have one <laughs> um, but uh so that's that's one of the hardest things that that for me was starting to say no uh or learning mm-hmm. to say no uh and set those boundaries because burnout's real um, yeah you know the balance is it, it, it's no longer a balance it's just all one-sided uh, yeah yeah because i mean same thing you know we we got married two kids uh, my wife's an agent um so she has all the agent hours you know mm-hmm. houses on weekends and late night showings and all that fun stuff and uh our kids are eight and 13 so it's sports five days a week during fall and spring and, and school what are we going to do with them in the summer and all that stuff? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's it's tough. It's tough, especially, like I said, when you got a full-time job and and a, a side business that has a high demand. Yeah. It's also hard when you're getting the verbal referrals from the people you have good relationships with, and so you feel obligated to say yes right. and, right. you know, appease them. Um, I, I find myself having problems with that like I want to maintain a good relationship with these people but I also have to be realistic with my time my time at all balancing everything that's that's what I'm having a hard time with I can pass on things that people that I don't have that relationship with yet but um those personal referrals I'm like oh okay let's see what I can do (laughs) yeah so what was one of your, uh, or has been one of your biggest challenges to starting your own business? Um, I kind of just like stumbled through everything. Um, I, I think I looked up on Google or something about how to do an LLC and then was like, oh, I guess I need a business license. Oh, I guess I need to register (laughs) with like Deport and oh, I guess I need to do this now and register my house as my office I was like oh I I guess I need to do this so I stumbled for about two months and then took me like nine months to make a website I'm like I guess I need a website now (laughs) (laughs) it it was not very uh well organized um dive into business ownership uh which is very interesting for me because I'm very type a and I like to plan things out so that was not my preferred way of becoming a business owner but I think the biggest thing is wearing many hats um and I'm sure when you started out it was like you're the marketing person you're the admin person you're invoicing you're you know talking to clients and scheduling and then you're also doing the work so it's like that's your admin time takes up you know 40 percent of your time maybe not that much but you know you know maybe during a couple of weeks it is 40 percent of your time but I think that's probably going to end up being a big part for me is do I ever want to expand and have employees? I don't know. Yeah. I didn't think this was ever going to be my full-time thing. So it's like, am I able to wear all those hats for long-term? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, there's pros and cons to both of it. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. You know, being by myself, it's, you know, it's, it's, I have a lot more quality control over everything. Mm-hmm. It's just me. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you have employees, it's nice because I, if I don't want, or, you know, I want to do something else on a Tuesday and 
I can block that off and and still generate revenue for the company. You know, yeah, yeah. Do it, but there's also a whole other set of issues that come with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, good and bad, but uh, so there's pros and cons to both. It just depends on what you want to do. And uh, for me, I'm 40. Yeah, 40. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, I, I know there's a limited time of how many crawl spaces I'm going to be going into. Um, that I'm yeah. to. So yeah, that side of it as well. You know, uh, how how long am I going to be? Um, am I going to be wanting to do that? So, mm-hmm. you know, I still got a while. Um, for sure. Um, but there's also that balance point too of of being in the field and running a business and having employees. You know, you got working working on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Know, I mean, so. you have the opportunity to pull back and just be the head person and have employees do the crawl spaces for you when you no longer can. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah, yeah. So there's and, one benefit. Yeah, and there's that scaling too. Um, mm-hmm there's a there's a breaking point where you know when you're by yourself you make a lot of money and mm-hmm. then you hire a couple of employees and you don't make any money and, <laughs> and then you get to the point where you hire a few more and now all of a sudden you're generating a lot more revenue than you could mm-hmm. yourself you know? but there is that that in between um you know for home inspection you can have a couple guys and you, and you do pretty good um but when you get a, you know plus five, you know five, six, seven, you know, 10, 10 inspectors, that's when you can really just step back and mm-hmm. you know, just manage the operation and don't have to worry about you know inspections and stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. there there is a a breakover point um, with that, uh, you know, and you know uh, I don't know what that what that looks like in your industry. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's um it's. If you're if you're hiring like new grads or young employees, then it, it there's like a almost like six month period of time where you're really mentoring them heavily and watching over them, and then like their turnaround rate they usually stay for two three years and then go off somewhere else and then you have to do that again. And that's um, tough, uh, especially yeah. starting out uh, because now you're splitting your revenue. Uh, yep. Yeah, it's it's generating revenue through one person, but you're sharing it with two. Yeah, and you're not being very efficient with your time or exactly. theirs. Exactly. Yeah. And usually by the time you're doing that, uh, you're still in that growth mode, so you're just burning money. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's not like you have a lot of capital, you know, to, yeah. Uh, yeah. to be able to do that and, and spend for it. And it's, it's, it's hard in the inspection industry as well because it's the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. Somebody who's licensed, and now it's, you know, four to six months of training, and you're not generating revenue, you're costing me money. And yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's an investment and it yeah. turns over every time you get a new employee. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good times. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't have the stats. Um, I know inspectors or the inspection industry is primarily male dominated. Um, there is more, been more females. We got a couple of women inspectors in the Metro Richmond area. Uh, yeah. seem to be pretty good. Uh, I imagine engineering is probably the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. What's that like? Um, and have you had any issues, especially in 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 your business, um, um, in real estate side? Not so much in my business now, but previously, when I was at a company and I like just got out of college and just started, um, I would go to. Uh, meetings or you know continuing education classes and they would ask me what I did for the company after asking all my male you know co-workers <laughs> like oh you guys are the structural engineers I said what do you do, <laughs> do you get to well, call I have, <laughs> right I'm like I have a master's degree none of them do yeah like <laughs> so that's, that's a little frustrating and I've had contractors I think it's a lot of contractors um who don't like being told that they're doing things wrong, especially by a woman, especially by a young woman. Mm-hmm. So me telling them like, hey, that's not up to code. It might, I mean, maybe it was never up to code, but it's not up to code now. Right. And you need to change it. You need to do things the way that I tell you because I'm the one with the license and the liability. And they give me, you know, a little bit of flack back for it. So it's, it's a little bit of that. Um, I've had... I don't know if it was because of a woman or not, but I had one guy homeowner kick me off of his property um, <laughs> because I wasn't giving him the answers that he wanted to hear. 
Um, <laughs> so that felt great. I just said, this was for my forensic job. And yeah. I sent my boss, I was like, look, I think he wants, cause he was an older man. Like, I think he wants like an older guy cool. to go out on site. And he was totally fine with that guy. So I was like, oh my gosh. But yeah, with my job now, with my business now, um, I get a lot of positive feedback from homeowners and real estate agents because real estate agents are prime. I would say like pretty heavily female based. They are, yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess women just like working with women, which I get that, and I think that we don't have that like. I don't like talk down to people, you know, when I explain things. So I think they appreciate that too. And I've gotten feedback from homeowners as well. Cause most of the people who are doing renovations are the women yeah. who care about the, the walls being knocked down. So, you know, I can tell them like, Oh, you can go back this far. And, um, you know, we're just going to have this drop beam and have them kind of visualize it a little bit better. And I think that they appreciate that too. So I've gotten a lot of positive feedback about being a woman in the industry um, yeah. here in Charlottesville for, my current business yeah yeah well, but I have to say, better, um, contractors don't like what we have to say either so uh, <laughs> <laughs> we tell them that, that's wrong um but we can't do yeah. anything about it so they don't they don't care what we have to say they just don't like it you know yeah um, you know you you carry a little bit more weight uh, i do yeah 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 um, I know that, um talking to some of the uh some of the facebook groups with uh, some some women inspectors, uh, one of the biggest issues that they have is you know the the dad or the uncle showing up with the buyer. You know the buyer mm-hmm. is twenty some years old, and their dad used to be a contractor back in the seventies. Um, yep. For a summer, and uh, you know they'll quiz them. You know they'll just ask yep. them a bunch yep. of questions. You know to, to see what they know, just kind of be a little condescending, and um, so they really gotta. I say no more, you know, because there's there's just that that stigma uh, attached mm-hmm. to them. They got to prove themselves a little bit more. So they really got to know more than the average male inspector. Um, kind of skate by, sadly. Yeah, yeah, I've run into that quite a bit as well, even yeah. recently. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but that's awesome that uh, that you're doing it. Um, you know, it's it's fun to see people overcome those those challenges mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's a shame that there those challenges even exist but you know it's just the world we live in um yeah yeah i think it's yeah, it's becoming more diverse now yeah yeah and and there is something like i would love to hire a and a female or a woman home inspector you know because mm-hmm. there is that that woman connection uh it used to be i think real estate used to be primarily male dominated like a long time ago um, mm-hmm. you know majority was males and now it's i think like at least 60 percent, maybe even like you know way higher than that uh, that's that's yeah. One, yeah so it's very much uh, a woman dominated field um uh, mm-hmm. and there's there is something that that you know that all woman team you know <laughs> when it comes I mean, I to push for it so i can't say anything about it but <laughs> yeah, yeah. i i tend to even growing up i tend to um kind of circle around guys more than women um it's just i i'm not i'm pretty straightforward yeah i'm not really into the drama or the caddies or the gossips i didn't really fit into those kind of environments very well so have being an engineer it's it's much better my husband's a nurse and so he comes home and talks about all of the the women (laughs) in this field how they gossip and start drama at work and i'm like oh yeah I don't have any drama today. <laughs> no, no, we just make fun of people. That's what we do. Just make yeah. <laughs> so, um, what's some of the uh, the wild and crazy that you see uh, when you're when you're out and about? Yeah, um, I went to I went to West Virginia once, and um, this deck on the back of the house had partially collapsed Mm -hmm. and they didn't know why and it was built on like a concrete you know had like a retaining wall and then concrete um over stuff up to the house and so the posts were just sitting on what 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 i thought was concrete 
but the concrete had blown out and it was sitting on trash. So <laughs> their deck was literally being supported by trash and like maybe two inches of concrete with no reinforcing. So that collapsed. Um, and is I don't think people realize how dangerous decks are because there was no code right. for it until like 2018. Um, and so that was a fun one. I had another one recently that they had, they were doing some renovations in a laundry room. So they were taking out the floor and they saw some termite damage on the floor. And so they started taking out more and more and more. And this whole exterior wall was just termite damage, like all the way up. And it was a bearing wall for the roof and the floor above. It was so bad. I was like, you need, you cannot occupy that room above there unless like for a while. <laughs> it's uh it's amazing how bad termite damage can be before yeah. knows. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. Went out, I went out to um past Charlottesville up in the mountains for a uh, house. Um mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, about a year or two ago. And uh there was a pretty big drop off, you know, top of the mountain. Oh, kind of yeah. mm-hmm. And uh the deck was like you see the footers and they just wasn't doing their job. Um it probably just wasn't deep enough. And so the deck was actually pulling away from the house as it was sliding mm-hmm. down the mountain. It was supposed to be uh, uh, an attached deck um, because there was no posts to make it a freestanding deck. Mm-hmm. There was no bolts through the board. So they took a two by four on, because as it was pulling away from the house, you know, it started to sag on the back side mm-hmm. because there's nothing attaching it to the house. Mm-hmm. So they just took a two by four on um, a block and just, you know, helped prop it up. That's, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> two by fours aren't like good braces it's they're not very strong honestly you like at a minimum just a psa to everybody at a minimum two two by six or four by four two by fours just ignore them i mean i don't know i see a lot of two by four work in cross bases so a lot of people think that that's the solution for everything okay well put a two by if four it's on four, it if it's like only 12 inches tall and maybe so but like <laughs> if you're doing anything over four feet do not use a two by four yeah yeah Pictures circulating not too long ago um, down in uh, Gatlinburg. Uh, I don't know if you saw that one or not, but it was a deck. Yeah, one of the cabins down there. Um, uh, a little girl got in a hot tub on the deck, and uh, there was wasn't rated for the hot tub, and it wasn't attached, and it just collapsed um, mm-hmm. with the little girl in it. Uh, fortunately, she was fine. I mean, just some oh, bruises, but um, but yeah, we. I mean. Well, I tell people, I, say, I hate decks. I hate inspecting decks because every one we do, there's a bunch of stuff wrong with it. Um, they're never done right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just a headache. And then we get that push back, like, you know, well, it's fine. It's been like that for 10 years. I go, okay. Yeah. It works until it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just, um, oh, my husband's going to kill me for saying this, but uh, we just redid our deck boards and our railing on our deck. And I literally handed him the Simpson Strong Tie deck guide which is amazing everybody should get it and i was like here this is how you attach the six by sixes intermediate post to the framing and here are all the screws that you need here is literally everything you need i go out there and check in when he's done I'm like you didn't do it right like i literally <laughs> everything you needed and you didn't do it right like i can't 
we can't like eventually sell our house. Literally a structural engineer lives here. You did it wrong. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I made him redo it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So I imagine most of what you get called out for for real estate agents uh, is is for foundation cracks and movements and things like that. Yeah, that and um, there's a lot of trusses that either have been cut or broken that um, yeah. maybe they didn't get the pre-drywall inspection done um, and they were broken for a while and their roof is like this because of that. Yeah, um, yeah, we see that. That's a lot of those too. Yeah, so what's your... um your advice on cracks uh foundation cracks as a because one of the issues in in our industry and it's not that it's a bad issue it's just the way it is when you go to home inspector school um they basically tell you that if you see a crack that's i think an eighth of an inch or bigger um maybe quarter inch but i think it's eighth of an inch that you should automatically refer a structure engineer uh that, that catches a lot of flack for a lot of inspectors because you know you see one crack in the entire house and it's an eighth of an inch and it's like, Hey, go spend $500 on an engineer. Um, More than that now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, and I, you know, so it's one of those things. And yeah. It's a liability it's, issue for inspectors, you know, and I, and I get yeah. it. Um, you know, we try to look at the big picture, you know, what's the whole house doing, you know, what's mm -hmm. the conditions, all that stuff. Is there more than one crack? You know, is the floor dropping, you know, all that fun stuff. But, yeah. Um, but what's the things that you look for when you go in and you see that there's, you know, whether it's a recommendation from an inspector or, or buyer or seller or whatever, uh, when it comes to the foundation cracks? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the eighth of an inch wide crack um, is a great indicator, whether it's cosmetic or structural. Um, I think that's industry standard. Um, so even if it is in a structural item, like a foundation wall, then and if it's only less than an eighth of an inch, um, it's not necessarily structural until it grows. Um, so it's what you're doing is correct, like looking at the house as a whole and seeing how it's kind of moving. So for especially for new construction, you have soil or dirt that you're building your house on top of that didn't have load and now it's loaded. So it's gonna settle. And the code allows, you know, they give you a bearing pressure um, minimum and that's how you design your footings. And, um, you know, if it's, you know, if the inspector goes out on site, third party inspector goes out on site and tests the soil, basically with a piece of rebar to see if you get that bearing pressure. And they're like, yeah, it looks like it's probably pretty good soil, but, it, that doesn't mean that your house isn't going to move. So your house is still going to move when it's on any sort of bearing soil, bearing pressure soil. So um, cracks are expected to happen, especially with concrete. Concrete cracks all the time, which is why we put rebar in there. And that's why we put fiber in there um, to help reduce the cracking and mitigate the cracking. And that's also why we put control joints in there so that we can direct the cracking to those control joints. So um, it depends on what it is. So like, and it also depends on how old the house is. So with new construction, you know, it's either a concrete masonry unit, which is CMU in my world, but it's also cinder block and um, homeowners worlds and Lowe's. Um, for that, like nowadays you have like a minimum reinforcement that you put in there to resist any sort of load that's coming against it. And um, you put a foundation drain on the top of your footing to help mitigate any water that goes behind it. So newer construction, you wouldn't expect to see those horizontal failures like you would in older construction. Whereas in older construction, they don't have those footing drains. They don't have the rebar in the cinder block. And so they're just relying on the weight of the house on top of it to prevent it from bowing or moving. Right. Um, which a lot of times is not enough. So um, the biggest issue is a horizontal crack. And I know that they teach you that in um, in school and the bowing of the yep. wall. Um, so if it's bowing, it means it's failing. 
it's not doing its job. It's um, the forces outside are pushing on it. It's mostly because of water. So you want to divert water somehow, either with downspout extenders or gutters or um, grading, maybe a combination of all three of those. And, you know, sometimes I recommend putting like a French drain down as far down as you can possibly go to try and divert the water away from the foundation. Um, all of those will help. And then if you want to repair it, you, depending on how severe it is or how out of plane it is, you can do the carbon fiber straps, you can do the steel beams, you can um, put in like buttress walls. It There's a lot of different ways to solve the issue um, based on like what your budget is and what you want to use that space for and also how bad it is. So that's why I always tell people to call a structural engineer before calling a foundation company because they're going to tell you the most expensive way to do it. And I can tell you your three options and you can decide which one is the best option for you and the use. Um, but the step cracks for the cinder block aren't as big of a deal unless it's moved out of plane. So like it's come in or out, um, then that becomes a little bit more of a big deal because it's shearing somewhere um, and it's moving somewhere. But if they're just cracked along the mortar joint, you can just seal that kind of up and um, prevent water from getting in, making it worse essentially, because you don't want water in your basement. Right. And then for concrete, sometimes it cracks at the rebar. Sometimes it cracks because there's not enough rebar. You know, at that point, if it gets to an eighth of an inch or more, you can inject it with epoxy, which is what I re recommend. I think Simpson makes one. I think Kelty makes one. And it goes all the way through the crack from the inside to the outside and all the way down. And that's a good way to seal it. But it's not necessarily meaning that your wall is failing. It just means that it's not, it's probably not reinforced enough to right. mitigate. Right. Right. That was a very long-winded explanation about uh, concrete and <laughs> CMU uh, foundation walls. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was great. Um, yeah, we do the same thing when when we see cracking and whatnot um, in terms of who we recommend. You know, um, yeah, because I, I tell pretty much every client that you know you can call a foundation company. Uh, we recommend an engineer um, because it's it's like us. You're out there to inspect. Um, you yeah. you're not there to repair it. So you're, you're paying for, for just that assessment, um, not future business, uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, not exactly. That, like, yeah, not that every company does that, uh, but, you know, there's kind of a separation there. Um, yeah, yeah. You have someone protecting, you know, your interest as a homeowner versus someone who's protecting their interest as a company, yeah. but also trying to protect their liability. It's not like they're going to tell you something wrong most cases um but it is good to get an unbiased opinion who's will give you multiple options that you can price out and figure out what is best for your budget and your um use of space and the issues that you're having like you can put a band-aid on something but if you're not diverting the water away then it's not really helping you yeah so yeah yeah yeah. I, I try to, I follow up a lot of foundation um, contractors who come out and say like, here, I'll fix it for $50,000. And I come out and I'm like, oh no, I don't think you actually need to do that. I think you just need to seal the crash so you're good to go. Yeah. And stay on like, which will cost like maybe a thousand dollars. So, you know, that is also potentially an option. So <laughs> I, I always, I always push to hire either a structural engineer or a geodesic either one of those will yeah. be able to kind of talk through and figure out what's going on and how to fix it. Um, what's the worst one you've seen? Foundation? Yeah. Um, I saw one, okay, I have two of them that come to mind. One where a tree fell and the addition was built on top of the roots. Mm -hmm. And so the tree fell and pushed the foundation oh, wow. up and like, just lifted that entire addition <laughs> off of the ground. That was pretty nuts. I know that's a kind of a special and very specific case, but yeah. it was uh, it was pretty intense. Um, and then another one, the footing was not 
deep enough so it didn't go below frost depth. And so it's, so basically frost depth is how far the ground um, freezes during the winter time. So if you're below that, then you're, you're, the soil is not going to freeze and it's not going to expand and contract. So if you're, yeah, so you want to put your footing below frost depth. If it's not, then the soil around it will expand and contract and move that footing. Yeah. So it moves it a lot of times that, you know, out of plane and then brings the wall out of plane and uh, cracks and then rotates and then your floor joists um, deflect and your walls crack and everything settles and it looks very bad. Um, I've had a couple of those. So that's definitely a code requirement nowadays. I think that was built in the 50s or something like that. So that was a big oops. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah those are one, those are these severe ones <laughs> yeah i did one in um newport news and um i mean inside you saw all the signs you know there's some pretty decent drywall cracking doors out mm -hmm. of square, drops in the floor and you go underneath and there's jacks like everywhere like all <laughs> over and like man this doesn't make sense and well and you're looking at the uh the joists like they look kind of far apart and they were like 24 inches on center um the floor joist mm -hmm. um, and i mean the house was built like the 60s and that was just wild that they that somebody thought that was a good idea you know but you just see it, it just couldn't support the weight yeah but, you know it was too far of a span um, yeah most, time. most old houses have uh wood that's not rated mm -hmm. um most of the wood is like something they found on the property and like milled it themselves yep. and then it you know it shrank or it has knots or whatever um so it's not not all of them are the same strength as they are regulated now mm. so you know some of them probably would fail and some of them probably would pass um if i were to like grade them all individually and um you know run the counts individually but most of the time it's like a deflection thing that fails on older, maybe even historic homes, um, but you don't have to bring them up to code unless it either bothers you or you're changing the occupancy or you are changing the floor system itself, like cutting a hole in or something like that. Right. You're modifying it. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people are like, oh, these old homes have really bouncy floors and you know they're not up to code. Yeah, they're not, but they don't have to be. Right. And that's that's a hard thing that I tell people when I go into after home inspectors and they say, you know, these are probably not up to code um, and the floor is really bouncy or there's you know, cracks from deflection over the years. I'm like, well, they don't have to be up to code. Right. Like, will they fall down? Probably not, but they're going to be sloped and they're going to be bouncy. And, you know, there's things you can do to reinforce them, but you don't have to. Yeah. So that, that's a hard thing for homeowners to swallow. <laughs> It is because uh, especially when we do, because we don't, we can't site code. Uh, we can't, you know, uh, that's we go to home inspector jail if we bring up code. Um, so, but we'll tell people, hey, look, you know, well, there's pluses and minuses to that. You know, the the plus is that we can expand what we can write up, right? It's not, mm -hmm. we're not limited by that. Uh, so, a lot of times we'll see defects per se uh, that when the house was built was okay. But, mm -hmm. you know, know more things now so we say hey you know you should probably add a gfci receptacle here you know yeah, yeah it's a good idea it's cheap yeah. it's easy but you can't really ask for the seller to do that because it's, it's, they're going to say grandfather right it's, it's, right right um you know the the downside is that when we know something is wrong and we know that it was done incorrectly and 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 we're being told that it's okay um like well no no you know code says that that you're wrong uh, but yeah, <laughs> I think I think it's really important to like differentiate between it's wrong and it's dangerous. Right. Yeah, and that's I think is hard to um, determine as someone who's just doing like a two-hour inspection of a house, like kind of an overview. Yes. Like, is. is this dangerous, or is it just something that needs to be replaced, or is it just not to code? Yeah, I mean, and I did. I did one, or I did two, 
about three or four weeks ago for the same agent. We, we spent all day together. Um, uh, I think we're still friends after that day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the first one was in Brander Mill. I don't know if you know anything about Brander Mill uh, down here. Uh, but it was built on uh, shrinks well soil back in like the 80s. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Like every house I've ever done in there has foundation cracks. You know, mm -hmm. they've had work done one or the other. And this one um, had a decent amount of patching uh, in the crawl space, and but it was cracking again. And and some other things that I found in there, and and come to find out, they just had like fifty grand worth of foundation work like three months earlier. Oh. And I said, well, you know, obviously talk to the company and see what all they did and all that fun stuff. Um, and then the afternoon one, it was on a hill. Um, and you can see the corner of both sides of the uh, the foundation has step cracks in it. And I see, you know, mm -hmm. this was on like just flat land. Like I probably wouldn't care that much. Mm -hmm. I was just on the backside, sloping. And the deck is already jacked up because of it. I don't want to be responsible for that, you know. Right, right, yeah. So you know, go, going back to the point, you know, there for two or three hours trying to piece together puzzles. Um, when we're looking at a thousand different things, you know. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard. Uh, so it that's is. my. Yeah. You know, you, and I, and I told him, you can get an engineer out here; they may say everything's okay, and, and that's great. You know, but I'd rather it. You know, you spend a couple extra dollars, and and they say, hey, you know do all the things that you do as an engineer, say that's fine, versus um, you not, and me say everything's okay, and then in two years, your foundation's at the bottom of the hill. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, what was it in, was it Utah or Colorado where that house just, like, slid down the hill? Yeah. Yeah. Um, typically, foundations, if they're built, you know, deep enough if they're built below that frost step. Um, they also have to be built so that the um, influence zone where, you know, your footings distributing the load mm -hmm. is outside of that slope. So if you're, you have your two to one ratio out here and then your slopes like this, sure. then you're putting pressure outside of where the soil is. So, um, you know, as an engineer, when I do new builds, we want to take into account the, to the topography so that we don't have that issue. So we have it far enough below grade so that it's not going to slide out, especially with any sort of erosion or you know, eventual. Erosion. So it's like usually 24 or more yeah. um, inches below grade at that point. So, yeah, if, if you see signs of that, I would probably, it would probably cause me concern too. I'd probably want them to dig up the footing and verify yeah. it. But <laughs> yeah. especially if you're seeing it, decks, like I said, decks are the most um, sketchy part of your house. They probably didn't put those below frost step because yeah. they didn't have to. Yeah. So that's probably yeah. absolutely. And of course, you had your uncle's brother, cousin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Deck, you know, he build, a, build a deck with a couple beers and some yeah. pizza. Yeah. Yeah, the worst one I've done, it was actually not that long ago, probably about a month or two ago. Um, and I posted uh, the picture of the uh, screwdriver disappearing into the ground. Hopefully. Oh, yeah, I think I on it. <laughs> yeah, that was the worst one I've ever done. Uh, I got out and I told the agent, I said, I didn't need to spend as much time in a crawl space as I did, but I was just fascinated by how much stuff I kept finding. Um, <laughs> like they used OSB for shims between the beam. And nice, okay. Yes, yes, nothing bad will happen with that. Um, yeah, the main beam was cantilevered on the end. Uh, it wasn't resting at all. Uh, so, yeah. I might be okay with that. Yeah, yeah. it the, depends. Yeah, multiple joists wasn't even touching like the seal plate. It was just floating. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, she sent that before to a foundation company, um, a reputable one around here, mm -hmm. and they called back and said, "Yeah, we're not going." In. They said, "Call an engineer." <laughs> when the engineer goes out, we'll go out. So it was just yeah. called the engineer. The engineer said, send me the report. Sent the report. And he called back. He said, I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> and he says, you really? got to jack it up and start all over. He said, it's, it's just all wrong. Uh, wow. And, okay. Uh, so she called the uh, the agent. The agent's like, oh, there's nothing wrong with this. She said, did you pull permits? She said, oh, we ain't got to. He said, okay. Okay. <laughs> I think we're good. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
Yeah. I'm surprised that the engineer was like, no, I'm not going to go out there. Yeah. My curiosity would be like, hmm, let me go look at it. Right. You got something you got to see in person. Yeah. Yeah. Because the pictures yeah. didn't do it justice. Um, it, was, yeah. it was a sight to behold. It really was. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that when I've gone in crawl space and I'm like, oh, here's one thing. Oh. And you start like kind of peeling back. Yeah. Like it's something. You're like, oh, no. Oh, it's so much worse than you thought. <laughs> I, I'm gonna feel so bad telling these people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I told us the good news is I got lots of social media content. <laughs> bad news there is it's a complete redo. Yeah, that's just yeah. nothing that they touched in that house was correct. Like they they changed the pitch angle of the uh, attic. Uh huh. Um, and they just used scabbed two by fours, just like scrap wood, basically, to make the the rafters on the backside when they cut down. That's cool. Yeah, I love, I love hearing that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So last question, um, shifting from, from foundation to, to trust as an iJoyce, you know, going back to what you said before about some of the bounciness kind of is what it is. One of the things that I've seen with new construction is um, they'll, they, they use a lot of iJoyce now. Um, yeah. And of course, everybody's getting these giant um, uh, kitchen islands, you know, that's as mm -hmm. big as a bedroom. Uh and after they move in, you know, they load up their kitchen with all the stuff. And every time they walk around it, you know, it starts bouncing and jiggling. And you hear all the plates jiggling in the dishwasher. And they say, hey, you know, we get called out and say, hey, you know, is this okay? And of course, the answer is, you know, the spans and everything are okay. You know, the mm -hmm. problem is it's rated for it, but, you know, it's just springy because of the weight of the, of the kitchen island. Um, yeah. You've seen some of them start going back under and kind of putting like a little uh, up here, you know, just kind mm -hmm. of support it, but it's fine without it. But, um, but what do you see or, cause our recommendation is always, you know, busted trust, cut trust. Uh, we see a lot of the flanges for the eye joists get drilled through mm -hmm. by plumbers, you know, plumbers, mm -hmm. plumbers, yep. cutting, cutting those, you know, even for like, you know, one inch, one and a half inch pack slides. And, you know, the answer always is, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> um, manufacturers say that you're not supposed to do any of this um, mm -hmm. and if you do you got to contact them or an engineer to make sure it's okay mm -hmm. so so what's your take on 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 all that well there's a lot of things there um yeah. cutting the floor joists um they have these fun joist reinforcers so like if you google joist reinforcers um they're like steel plates you can put on either side of either a TJI I-beam, um, wood I-beam, or even like a two by, I think it has to be a minimum two by 10. And you can reinforce it and use a bigger hole than what is spec or even like drill through the um, the top cord of that iron joist. Um, so I don't recommend doing it, but they do have those joist reinforcers there um, for those instances. And I think they're like 150 bucks each and they're super reasonable um so i usually recommend that for the kitchen island thing what people don't realize is that the code allows for um, a certain amount of deflection um, per your span so if you have um you know a 10 foot span let me do easy math here 10 foot span and you have i think it's elever 360 you're allowed um, 0.33 inches of deflection. So over a quarter of an inch deflection at yeah. the middle of your uh, your floor. And that's only for a 10 foot span. Whereas if you're you know spanning more than that, everyone's open concept now, you know, 18 feet long with TJIs, you're gonna be allowed to have a lot more deflection. Yeah. Um, and that's just code minimum. Mm. That's what you're allowed legally. And so a lot of these um, kind of spec houses use code minimum. They don't upgrade the floor joists. And so you're allowed, you know, up to like half an inch deflection and people then load it as, you know, even like a normal kitchen table or whatever. Yeah. And then it's see, but it's, it's allowed by code. That's what you're paying for. You're not paying for upgraded floors. Um, there are things you can do to reinforce it and make it less bouncy by like stiffening it or putting an extra beam or um, blocking or whatever. 
Um, but I think people's expectations for new builds are that their floors are never going to be bouncy ever again. But that's that's unrealistic. And I don't think people really realize what the code means um, and what they're paying for, which kind of sucks because it's just you're spending, you know, $350 a square foot to buy a really nice house and then you have bouncy floors, but there's really nothing you can do about it because it's code. It's no, allowed by code. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, if you're doing a custom build, a lot of people put like double joists mm -hmm. beneath the, the island area or beneath like fish tanks and things like that, yeah. um, that they are anticipating or pianos even. Yeah. Um, to help reduce that deflection. And that's usually what I recommend if it's like an unfinished basement or crawl space. But um, people who either are in an existing house and they're renovating it and then put the island in there, I mean, you can reinforce it, but I would expect to see some deflection for sure. Yeah, yeah my my favorite's always the, uh, the renovations, you know. Yeah. Yeah, overloading things. Oh, well, I didn't yeah. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't that's take up any more of your time. Uh, I know you're a busy person. Uh, you got lots of things to do, I'm sure, on this Friday. Mm -hmm. um, but I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I really enjoyed it. This is stuff we could probably talk about all day long. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But we'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah, for sure. Thank and, you for uh, having me. Yeah. Um, real quick, how? what's your coverage area? How far are you willing to go? Um. Right now I'm in Charlottesville, but I'm trying to move um, to Mineral right now, which is about halfway between Charlottesville and Richmond. So I'm okay. eventually like to expand to Richmond area as well um, and kind of do like a 45 minute radius of yeah. Mineral area, maybe even an hour if I can put a couple back to back. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, they can always shoot me an email and ask if yeah. I can cover that area. If not, I can refer them to somebody else, you know? Yeah, I would love for you to start uh, coming down to Richmond. Uh, that would be great. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. If uh, people want to get a hold of you, how do you do it? Um, I have um, my email is Valerie V A L E R I E at Valerie Hill H I L L P E dot com. My website is ValerieHillPE dot com. I am on Instagram. I am very active on Instagram. I like to. Uh, comment on everybody's um, home inspection post <laughs> um, at at valerie.hill.pe on Instagram. Um, either one of those. Um, you can also call me. My number's on my website and or shoot me a text. Um, any of those I often respond to. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Um, hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah. Yeah. Great. It was great. Like doing this virtually too. Yeah.